Hello, welcome to episode 186 of Three Beers in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... The illustrious Barry Neal. Illustrious Barry Neal. Barry, we're once again doing this via Zoom and today I'm kind of glad of it because it is fucking horrendous outside. And yeah, there's a pub right now, even though we all want to go back to the pub. If they all open today, I would probably still stay home. Yeah, it's been pretty grim up here for like the last few days as well. And uh, yeah, it's fucking miserable. Yeah, so <laughs> it's yeah. a proper winter's night, you know what I mean? It feels like it, it does feel like a proper, proper winter's. I, I always think, yeah. I always think in Scotland that people always think like, this, like November, December is winter, but I always think like January, February, March feel always more wintry than yeah. at the end of the year. But this is sort of the best when I feel the depths of winter coming in. Aye, aye. Because like, I, the other day, when or the other week, when it was snowing up here, it actually popped up in my phone like a like a Google photo like reminder. Right. Three years ago, it was snowing, and I was like, "How freaky is that? That it's yeah. like the snow lands in the same week." I'm like, Whoa. I can have snow in March, like really heavy snow in March. Yeah. I always, I always do think January, February, March are always worse in terms of weather and sort of just. It's a bit lighter, which obviously helps me feel maybe not quite as you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it still feels very dull and, and wintry all the way until like March. Hopefully soon we'll get some nice weather and hopefully once again the pub's open. Um, are you drinking anything today? It's a, a, an early pod for us today. Are you drinking anything of interest? No, I'm not. Actually. I'm just drinking soft drinks. It's, uh, right now it's on Pepsi Max time. Um, nice. Yeah, I don't know. Just this week on my days off, I just, I don't know. Can't be fucked. Can't yeah. be us drinking. You know, you know yourself, you have a couple of beers and then that's... For me, anyway, I'm like absolutely train wrecked the next day. Like Aye. the whole day's written off, you know. Aye. I think we're all a bit like that. Now. I think it's because we generally feel like drinking at home is sort of lost its real appeal now because we've been doing it all for like a year and a bit now. So it feels a little bit, a bit yeah, lost its general appeal. Um, I'm also not drinking anything. I'm having a cup of tea because it's like I said, it's hard weather oh. down here, so a cup of tea is what is doing it. Yeah. Very civilized of you. I'm a very civilized <laughs> man at times. Um, <laughs> We're going to always do so. Camel Lairs again, still not playing. No one's playing football apart from the very big team. So again, Camel Lairs, hope you're back soon. Hope we get to see you next season. And I think it does seem now that they're going to write off a lot of these lower league seasons and just sort of declare null and void. So they'll mm-hmm. probably start in a fresh come hopefully July, August time this year. That we can everybody can get back to to playing and playing with fans and and all that jazz. So yeah, Camel Lairs still not playing. Movie news, anything of note? Just uh, one wee thing this week, which was mainly when I heard it was picked out mainly for yourself, because yeah. I know you get a right kick out of this. I'm intrigued. Paddington 3 is officially yeah. in the works. I thought that would make your day. It did, but I am cautious because the gentleman who directed it, Paul King, and I think his mm-hmm. writing partner, they're not writing and directing, they're producing only. Yes, because they're tied up with some other film, which I've now forgotten. But yeah, yeah. so they're 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 cashing their Paddingtonness into something else, which is totally fine. That's what you do as a professional. You've got to make sure you can strike when iron's hot. So mm. they're involved. Still, I think as producers or exec producers, so glad they're still involved. But the fact it's got different writers, different directors, it does make me a little bit nervous. That's all. Just a mm. little bit nervous because. Paddington One is brilliant. We, we both agreed when we saw Paddington Two. It's generally one of the great, one of the most wonderful family films I've seen for the last like thirty years. It's absolutely beautiful. And you're thinking, second one is a cash in. How are they going to do this? Are they going to do any better? And oh my God, they actually made a they made a better film than a perfect film than the first one. You know, so it's actually it's even that's what's so impressive about the first two Paddington films. They have no right to be as perfect and as warm and charming and beautiful as they are. So mm. the third one, it's such a it's such a thin line between sort of you could tip over into being way too saccharine and sweet and too kiddy. You could go the wrong way. I don't I don't want to see I don't want to see like a dark Paddington at any point. It's just <clears throat> but also I don't want to feel so like just so saccharine that I feel sick watching it. You know, it's 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 such a it's such a tight rope they walk through those films and they mm. do it pretty much perfectly. So very excited to see Paddington 3. I'm, I'm, I'll be the first in line to go and see it. Um, but there's a little hint of caution with the fact that the guys who are involved in the first two are taking yeah. a backseat on this one. Um, but yeah, I'm still excited to see it because in a world where we're all still stuck inside when it's horrible weather, when COVID's still raging around the world, the thought of Paddington just does bring a little bit of joy to us all, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Especially now that my enthusiasm for COVID has ran its course and I've now moved on to other things. We've now got volcanoes around the world starting to show a lot of activity. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sitting there like, oh, that's not good for them over there. Yeah. <laughs> The, the more people are arising. 
so yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to Paddington. Uh, I've got no yeah. movies except for the fact that I think everyone should go out and buy a book called Woman vs. Hollywood by Helen O'Hara. Um, she works on the Empire podcast. She doesn't need me promoting it, but she's a fucking great writer. And her book looks amazing. And if you if you any interest in sort of old Hollywood in particular, mm. um, it's something to probably buy. It's, it, looks, it looks like an absolute crack and read. I bought it um, the other day there. I'm very much looking forward to, to reading it. Um, nice. It might actually be my next book to read since I'm actually looking for a new book to actually start. So Nice. Yeah. I, mean, I think if, you're into, if you want to find out anything about old Hollywood, she's, a, she's an excellent writer. Um, and mm. you definitely know the stuff when it comes to film. So, looking nice. something good to, to read. Um, and you're a fan of film, that'll be one to pick up. So, from this, we're going to go on to a movie for this week. So, once again, no movies on in the cinema because no cinema's open. So, we're once again relying on the streaming services to, to um, entertain us. Um, and we'll go with the first one, which is a documentary that I think came out last year, but I've only just managed to catch it on Amazon Prime. And that is a documentary called Capital in the 21st Century which is based on a book by Thomas Piketty, um, who's sort of like a um, rock star economist. Mm. Um, uh, his book was a massive seller. It's sort of the adaptation of the book, essentially. Um, directed by Justin Pemberton, who directed a film called The Nuclear Comeback. But I actually knew the name. He, directed, he produced a documentary called Tickled. Remember us talking about that at one point? Um, it's about like this weird competitive tickling world where it's sort of like the dark oh. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. So he, he produced that documentary. So, um, yeah, so that's where he sort of likes it. He's definitely, um, and he's definitely a documentarian of, of no, he does some interesting stuff. So, um, the plot of this one essentially is just all about how capital is used uh, in the 21st century, how it's been grown throughout human history, and what it means going forward in terms of like finances and for the state of the world, state of the economies, state of basically human needs human desires and basically how humans are going to sort of interact with each other based on money essentially and um, mm. i'll start with it i hadn't read the book so i'm not really sure how it compares to the book so i don't really know how much it's in the book but he is quite a, he's quite a big part of it thomas piketty he's sort of he's sort of the one of the main talking heads he's sort of talking you through his book um, mm. i thought it was pretty well structured i thought it was pretty engaging um, it, it used some nice interesting techniques with some sort of animation and um, sort of decent sort of stock footage. And what I did like about it mostly is it used a lot of films to try yeah. and bring the themes to life. You know, you, you usually like Wall Street and um, there's other ones like Wolf of, Wall, Wolf of Wall Street as well. And they used sort of like Gone with the Wind, I think, at one point. You use, use, use a bunch of films to sort of like sort of show the ideas of what economics and, and how capital is used. Um, mm. to bring the themes of the, of, of the book to life and to sort of engage you with it in a, in a, in a, a visual medium. And so in that respect, what I think it does, based on what I've read of a few other reviews, it fleshes out the book a good bit. You know, it's, it's, it's a nice, it fleshes it, but more of an overview. So if you want to get into the nitty gritty detail, you've got to try and read the book. But this is a, a kind of overview of, of what it was. Um, what did you think of it starting off? As always, these guys kind of just piss me off. Oh. About why, why, or oh, why you would watch these films or these documentaries about the way we all live, and you notice very, very quickly before they even get anywhere near the year that we are on, you find very quickly that all we ever do is to go around in a loop. We yep. never progress. It's the same, the same situation. We have a boom. And then we have a collapse, yeah. and then we have a boom again, and then the banks and people get greedy again, and then we have a collapse, and then it's just endless and endless. And ultimately, people's the lower classes will always suffer through all of this, you know. Yeah. What do you think of the actual documentary itself? Do you like the way? Do you like? Do you actually like? Yes. Beyond the, the subject matter, did you enjoy how it's put together? Did you actually? Did you yes. engage with it? The, the, the actual documentary I did actually find very engaging. I didn't hmm. like you, like you pointed out, it was about. I liked how they picked up old film clips and also how they how they found or got like coloured clips as well from like like World War One and round about yeah. that even like a very early like a 1900s. It was like yeah. it was very engaging, and you're yeah. like, that's actually really cool. Yeah, you know, and um, what. Something we've talked about a lot of these kind of documentaries, it's like the, the argument they make throughout it is consistent and it's it, it's constant and it's, it's conscious mm. of what they're trying to say and they're trying to hammer home a point, which and the point they're making, I'm fully in support of it as a valid argument of like 
you know how the current structure just doesn't work. It just makes you know the, yeah. the, the top get more and the rest is just fight over the tiny scraps. But yeah. the documentary itself, as always, is playing to acquire. You know, the people who are watching this are already mm-hmm. on side with it. They're not going to suddenly change in their views. I don't think again. And there's not many people who are like sort of on the other side who are going to watch it and go, "Oh my God, I'm I'm part of the Empire. I better change the way I'm going." So yeah, it, 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 it's good fodder to use if you're having an argument with someone who believes the opposite. You maybe got this in the, in reserve. But the biggest problem I had with it, not it, 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 I mostly enjoyed it, but the the talking heads, there's not that many of them. That like they, they play a good part of the, the documentary, but maybe there's only maybe like half a dozen, if that. Mm. Yeah, Six yeah. People who yeah. are constantly talking throughout it, and they all pretty much tell the one side. There is mm. no other side of the argument. Which mm-hmm. I think you need in order to sort of add a to, to uh, you know basically just to to prove why the other side are wrong, you know. Remember that documentary we, we, we both watched, the Australian Dream about the Aussie Rose football player, the one who got done for like ra- the one who gets racist abuse. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. the guys on it who sort of like defended the, the abuse. Yeah. And by having them on, it showed you how stupid they were and how wrong they were. I yeah. think you needed that in this document. You need someone who would on the other side. To try and sort of to just to balance it out and go, how could like they're, they're so wrong, you know? But they didn't have that, and because mm. of that, it feels a very slanted view of the world. Yeah, totally, totally. It's yeah, and as we've seen, we're I'm interested to see what the economic fallout of all of this is going to be like mm. up until present day. I'm very curious because, as you know, we have lived through like a an economic crash. As young adults, yeah, and now we've got this. So I mean, and as you know, like the economic crash, it didn't really affect the upper class. Whereas no. this is actual like just smacked everyone across the board. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're rich or poor, you're you can't get around this. So this is why I'm very well, curious about where it's going. The problem is more that that it does affect the, the the higher earners and the rich people, but we tend to bail them out. On the promise yes. that they're going to use for the, they always call it trickle down economics. So if they get rich and they're successful, that will trickle yeah. down to us. What really happens in reality is they just hoard more and more, and even less trickles down. Um, mm, yeah. So yeah. So I, I, I'm fully expecting the same to continue after this current pandemic and world going wrong. We're going, you know, in chaos. But um, as a documentary, I thought I, I uh, it was relatively short. I think, I think an hour and thirty-five, hour and forty. It's not. It's not overly long. Um, no, it, it, it doesn't hang about either. It well, gallops at pace, you know, because yeah, it, it does. It starts in like the at some point in the eighteen hundreds, and it really doesn't stop at yeah. any point. It does get to like modern day very quickly, yeah. you know. It so would, that's what I liked about it. It would probably be quite a nice companion piece to watch with like the big short, the, um, mm. the movie. Uh, it probably go yeah, quite yeah. nicely as a sort of double feature. You know, you get the documentary, then you get the reality, like, or you get the, the, the sort of fix the reality. Dramatized, and you get like the documentary feature of the sort of simple, like you know, sort of it gives more um, bones to it. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I thought it was decent. It's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's more entertaining than it should be when it's talking about economic and finance, which generally are pretty, even though they're very affecting to us, they obviously are pretty dull for the most part. But this, like, this does it in a, a genuinely decent way, and it sort of it feels a lightness of touch that I actually quite um, I found engaging. Um, mm. I would give well, it a very solid seven out of ten. Nice, nice. I'm joining you with that and that's seven out of ten for me as well. Nice one. Um from that we move on to a Netflix film. Well when it's on, I can't remember if it's Netflix or if it's um a Netflix original, like they've made it or just they've just bought it up. But, um the film is called Malcolm and Marie, uh, directed mm. by Sam Levinson, who is known right now for doing the, the Euphoria TV program, which um one of these actresses who are in this won all the awards and also he done a doc uh, documentary, a movie called Assassination Nation. Uh, a few years ago, which I really dug in a big way. I thought it was really fun, so I really enjoyed that uh, that, that movie. Um, <clears throat> the plot of this film is it's basically it's a couple that return home from a very fancy award ceremony, two very pretty people, and um, everything seems great in their life. But you get the very early simmerings at the very start that something's not quite right. There's a sort of undercurrent of, um, an arg- or one of them has an undercurrent of argument or argumentative. The other one is just j- jacked up in the fact that he's won a prize. Um, and essentially, what pans out as it he has won an award, I don't know if it's worth an Oscar or something, he's won something, and he forgot to thank his partner that, you know, for giving him for, for the award, which is, you know, rookie mistake, apparently he thanked everyone else apart from her. 
But this leads to an argument they have regarding you know the relationship, their standing in the world, and what they and what they and, you know who they think they are, where they want to go in life, and you're sort of seeing mm. this couple have this sort of relationship, sort of like moment, you know, that happens to us all in life, and we have that sort of that that first major big argument, I suppose. It sort of feels like this this feels like their first big argument, almost I think, and um, mm. our first really serious one, maybe not first argument, first yeah. serious serious one. It feels like aye. Um, there's a lot of ammo getting dropped, yeah, totally. totally. Aye, there's been ammunition stored up and they're dropping bombs in it. Yeah. Uh, and so you're watching this over the course of one night, this couple having this argument. Um, it's about a 90-minute film, essentially, or around 50, I think, actually, sorry. And it's just them having that having that argument. Um, and mm. it's a two-hander. You've got Zendaya, um, who is every inch of movie star you expect her to be, and John David Washington, um, who is obviously Denzel Washington's son. Um, he was in things like Tenant um, and also Black Klansman. He was also in, in that. Um, Zendaya obviously was in Spider-Man, um, the most recent ones, and she's in Euphoria TV show that aforementioned. Um, what do you think of this one? First of all, I, I wanted to double check because as you know, if you've watched this film at all, it's only two people and pretty much a cameraman and that's yep. pretty much it. Uh, and one set, so instead of coming on and embarrassing myself, going, is this a play? I thought, I'm going to Google this to see if this is a play. It is not. So, it is not. No. It was shot is, in, it was he, shot in secret. You know it's amazing, right? You say, it's only two people on sets, you know, a cameraman, mm. you think that would be it. Okay, you go, how mm. hard can we make this film? And how can they not keep making films, you know, dead easily but in Hollywood? That The credits at the start of it, the end of it, are fucking huge. I know, I know. Even just yeah. two people in a house, you go, that's why, number one, that's why movies cost so much. Number two, yeah. that's why you can't just randomly do a movie dead, dead quick, you know, when, even when yeah. in a COVID world, because it still requires all these people in order to make this film, you know, be them not mm. always on set at one time, it might be, you know, they might be post-production, it might be pre-production, that kind of stuff. But it's still, there's fucking hundreds of these people still involved in it. And this is a relatively low-budget, one-location, yep. easy shoot. This is not like Jurassic World, where it's like, you know, a thousand sets and things like that. So yeah, it just shows you, you know, it's not quite unique to make a film people think it does to make, make a film. You know, that's that's what I kind of got from it. Totally, totally. So this was filmed during June and July of last year. Mm. So that's why it is very much like a one area shot. Yep. So, you know, as I said, I don't know why I embarrass myself going, was this a play? And then you go, it is a play. Did you tell with the amount of dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's a fair point because like this film is exceptionally dialogue heavy. It's all it is yeah, is dialogue and stuff. Yeah. But so we move on. Yeah. So this film was okay. I yeah. found that a bit slow to get in with. Fair point. And I was sitting there going, a bit like yourself going, ah, how cute. It's the first big argument. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> Minus the award-winning and forgetting to mention your wife at points. But Ah, it's like, you know, but you do notice that the gentleman seems a lot more amped up about everything than she is. He thinks, he said sorry after, he knew he made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. He thinks thinks the argument's finished. But uh, as we all know, when we have an argument, the argument's never finished until it's finished. Um, exactly. and that you can sense that she's not happy. Yeah. It. I've never won an award in my life, which is tragic, but it's, <laughs> I'd like to think that if I was winning an award, I feel like I probably would forget to mention somebody, you know. I think somebody, yeah, but I think I, I would, I think if I was going to forget somebody, it wouldn't be my wife. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. I, think be, I think that's one, I think that's the first name out, get that name first out the door, you know. Yeah, yeah. Wife, because yeah. I get siblings. God. And after that, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I do feel like you do have to give you the nod to your like agent and the directors yeah. and all these other fuckers, you know. They all need a wee piece of action, you know. Kevin um, Smith tells a funny story. There's like a, if you watch Ben Affleck winning his award, he, he, he won an Oscar back in like 98 for Goodwill Hunting. Ah, very nice. For him and, him and Matt Damon won it for Best Screenwriting. Um, yeah, yeah. They're up and they only get like a minute to do a speech, so they're rattling through. And he, I think he's going, I'm forgetting something, I'm forgetting someone, I can't remember, I'm forgetting something. I need mean, to just keep forgetting. The person he forgot to thank was Kevin Smith. Uh. <laughs> he was like one of the first guys who looked over the script and then a pass over and encouraged him. He's like, and he's like, oh shit, I forgot Kev. Um, so, yeah, you always forget somebody, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but back to the film. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, it was beautifully shot. 
nice yeah. black and white action going on, Very like we artsy. just mentioned. Yeah, heavy, heavy, heavy dialogue. Like, if you don't like dialogue, do not watch this movie because no, this is no. all it is. There's, um, there's, no, there's no, there is literally no exciting moment. It is essentially no. just um, talking, arguing for the hour and fifty. There's more yeah. of silence that sort of speaks to you, but there's no mm. actual action scene or like sort of big event. It is literally just the, the course of an argument. I did notice there was quite a few points where even I would have went. Okay, let's just go to bed. We'll we'll pack this up in the morning. This is just this isn't working, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was quite interesting to see a young actress or actor. It wouldn't even matter who it was, uh, but smoking on camera. I was I, like, wow, that like took, actual proper like. You know that took me back. I mean, it shouldn't. That took me aback as well. Seeing someone like like seeing Zendaya, who is like I think only maybe early twenties. I think. Yeah, yeah, she's like twenty-four. Smoking. Um, now, whether or not she smokes in her life, I don't know, but to see it on camera did seem odd. Yeah. And yeah. what I got from it slightly was she's a smoker when she's stressed because ah. the ashtray and everything's like sort of outside and it's all kind of it's kind of like tucked away. So it's maybe mm. not something she's doing all the time. It's something maybe she's doing when she's feeling stressed. She'll catch this is where she goes to do that. So that, that's what I kind of got from that. But it was yeah, yeah. Maybe it's stressful. So I, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, which was also very bizarre because me and Stacey were watching a TV show today, which is a new TV show, and there's somebody smoking in that aye. very like prominently, and you're like, "Wow, <laughs> have we turned a corner where like movies and TV shows don't make you want to smoke?" Well, see, it's so odd because like if you watch like if you watch like Die Hard, for example, one of the great action films, like McLean is smoking like a fucking chimney all the way through that, and <laughs> now you now these because these films are now made for like a PG twelve audience, you'd never have an action hero smoking. Yeah, you know, it's it's just it's odd. You have to write if someone smokes on camera, it does take them. I'm always like, oh, shit, someone smoking on camera. It's yeah. something you go and see a film now, and you get the BBFC warning, and it says things you know, like sex, violence, that kind of thing. You know, you will get if you want to see a PG twelve film, you'll see includes scenes of smoking. So it's like a warning. If, I know it's, it seems just so bizarre, but yeah, it's it's such a frowned <laughs> upon thing now. I mean, I say that mean yeah. mean you don't smoke, but it's still. Um, it's still odd when you do see it on camera. You're like, oh shit! Sort of, no, I'm not. I'm so used to not seeing it. What I am glad yeah. though of is a lot of films don't include vaping because I think vaping yeah. is bad. It will die out, and I think if you put vaping into a film, it will date it. Whereas someone smoking doesn't seem dated. It's something that's always happened. Yeah. The last one. And they'll never, never, ever, no matter how how much they try and stop it, and then it comes back and you see it. That is always something cool about a guy or a girl smoking oh. on screen. You're always like, nice. Like, and yeah. Zendaya looks, like, she does look, she looks hot as anything in this film, and she looks cool as fuck when she's smoking. So I get why she's done it. Like you said, dialogue in it is absolutely fantastic. It's brilliant. Mm. Throughout, and it's, but the only thing I get it is it doesn't seem realistic in terms of an argument because you know yourself, yeah. you, you've argued with your, your, your wife, I've argued with my wife. You don't get 10 minutes to sort of go on a complete monologue to have an argument, you know? Yes. She does not allow you to go for 10 minutes to, you know, just to, to rant about, you know, it's more back and forth. It's more sort of shut down. It's more sort of that. So the argument didn't feel real. It felt, yeah. It felt almost like a pretty argument. Like, you know, it was, yeah. it, it, that's what I got from it. So as much as I love the dialogue, dialogue was, it was cracking to hear and they deliver it so, so well. Um, mm. The reality of it was slightly lost on in me when it became like you know it was the point when um, when he is writing about you know film that, that's what I like about it. he's talking about film all the time and he's compared to like Spike Lee he's talking about all mm. these big guys and he's out but he's going out he's going outside to talk and he's shouting back at her you know, she mm. just lets him go for about fifteen minutes I think it is it's like that that doesn't happen in arguments you know that, that no just no um, no but, as we all, as we all know arguments escalate quickly. Um, oh, yeah, everything gets dropped in about fifteen minutes. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that's something I got. It was sort of um, the reality yeah. of it didn't really go well with me. But I thought performance was great. I thought John David Washington was excellent, um, and mm-hmm. because he doesn't look like he's dad, but he fucking sounds like he's dad. It's time you get the same sort of, I don't know, it's the same sort of like tone of his voice that Denzel has. It just sort of makes you pay attention. You know, he has that has a, like authority behind it. Um, like he did, I didn't think he looked so much, especially in like Black Lantern as well. You sort of the moment, a couple of you sort of he has this moment in your voice, you go, Holy shit, you sound exactly like your dad. 
and mm. ends in dire. Was it? Sorry. Well, sorry, Paul. I was going to say there was a scene, and I probably should have wrote down the time of when it happened, but there's a scene quite early on with her, and it kind of took me out of the movie because it seemed at that moment in time it seemed fake. Right. And I can't, and it was hard just delivering her lines. There wasn't anything oh. particular about it, but there was just a moment in your like, whatever she was saying, it just was like, uh, that, uh, that, that's not right, you know. That's what I mean. It's it's a writer. It's a writer having an argument in his own head to put into dialogue mm. into mouth. It's, it's not real. It's 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 what you all hope an argument could possibly be. You know, you know, mm. very. When you, you speak in a very you know lucid and smart way, and you all both sound really clever. But in reality, that's not what it is. You know, and, and I, mm. I think the reality of it is it's lost. Um, it's I would say though it's compelling throughout. I mean, I was definitely watching. I was yeah. definitely sort of enjoying it. It's an hour and forty. They probably could have eat fifteen minutes off that just to sort of tighten it to give it a little bit more you know, yeah. urgency. Um, and yeah. it felt like it did kind of drag on a little bit. But generally, I, I thought it was good. I was surprised at how much. I mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a dialogue junkie. I do love a film with dialogue. But even this, I thought might test my patience. But um, no, I, I really dug it. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I, I really, I really yeah, yeah. fun for the, for the most of it, I did actually dig it. It was like like said the kind of last like twenty minutes or so. I was just. I did find myself wandering, and I was a bit like, you know, you might hurry up and just wrap it up, please, or, yeah. or go to bed or something, do something, yeah. anything. I don't know, if you, it could yeah. definitely have been tightened at times. Um, I would give it a very solid 7 out of 10 as well. What about you? I'm giving it 6 this week. Oh, yeah. Like a little bit less. So far, it's a 7 yeah. out of 10 week for me. Um, next film, we're doing four films this week, so the third film of the week is another documentary called Life in a Day. Directed by Kevin McDonald, um, Scottish um, filmmaker, so big up the, the local boy. Um, he directed the documentary One Day in September, which you will get a chance to see in a cracking documentary all about the Munich um, hostage crisis back in the 70s. Or one you'd probably like even more, Touching the Void, about the two. Oh, uh, yeah. I've, I've actually been holding off on that one because I want to read the book first. I, oh. I bought the book a few years back and I haven't actually started it yet. So I read the book, then I'll watch the documentary because it gets uh, that documentary appears on like top 10 mountaineering dog uh, lists like oh. all the time so yeah. I, it must be good you know what I mean yeah it, 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 you're a man who loves outdoors so we get a chance to watch it watch that we also done a film nice. called Last King of Scotland as well he, so he does both he does you know documentary and he does um, you know, um, you know non-fiction films uh, or fiction films mm. sorry and uh, so he did Last King of Scotland uh, one with um, James McAvoy and Ford Whitaker about Ibi Amin uh, he's done one called The Black Sea uh, about a nuclear sub trying to find gold um, he's done one recently, uh, How We Live Now, I think it's called. It's, it's like about a post-apocalyptic Britain. Um, I really, I've really dug in a big way. So he's a really he's an interesting director. He, does, he doesn't really sort of, he can't really be pigeonholed too much. And the fact that he sort of does almost does a feature film and a documentary at the same time. Like he's, I've listened to him in an interview. He said he finds like documentaries sort of like soothe him because it's like all in him to do it. It's quite a small yeah. crew. Whereas like we yeah. saw we talked about the, um, the previously, you know, doing a do, doing a feature film, there's so many moving parts to make it make it work. Whereas mm. with this film in particular, he said all he had to do was just edit. You know, mm. it just all the footage he got was just to edit. So it's called Life in a Day 2020. And um, there was yes. a feature. There was something called Life in a Day back in 2010. When in July 24, 2010, he asked for everyone to send in footage of what they were doing that day, and then he mm. compiled that into an hour and a half to show the world. How, what, what the world did on July 24, yeah. 2010. And, um, and, it start, and, and it starts like a day. You know, he oh. takes all the footage from the morning, like with people yeah. waking up. Like it's very well edited the way he does yeah. it. Starts you know? waking up and then just getting up at the day. People have breakfast and people at lunch and then what they do with their day. And then eventually it ends with like people at night and just closing down their day. So it just yeah. shows a day on earth, which yeah. is something that is a really interesting concept. This one that's why I, that's that's why I'm glad this one's came, this series has came back again for a, a sequel, so to speak. But right. like ten years later, I'm glad because yeah. you see snippets of yeah. like how very different we are, and it's only been yeah. ten years. You yeah. Know? Um. This one was saying the same idea. You got what's in a footage this time. It's July twenty fifth, twenty twenty. He's asking for so it's a, literally ten years later. Um. I'll start with this one. I. I enjoyed this. I, won't, I didn't not like it. I, I enjoyed it. But um, it's it's. I enjoyed the first one as well. But this is very much the same idea. It's not really doing anything different. Which, in a way, what can you do different with this? There's no reason to do anything yeah. different with it. Um, 
I the thing I enjoy about this this one and the last one about the quick demo was does it matter if someone's in New York or if they're in outer Mongolia? There is a mm. there is a, a gorgeous familiarity to everybody's lives. We yeah. are all essentially the same, you know. Yeah. So we do all live different lives, you know, depending on what country you live in or wherever you have, what your what your life is. But ultimately our sort of it seems like everyone in the world in this film anyway, their goals are the same. You know, there's a there's a, a, a enjoyment of other people and friends and there's you know love for friends and family and this idea and also just to sort of want to be to be seen to some degree but also not be seen you know, just to live a, a quiet life and live, live a happy life um, mm. and that's what that's one thing I found really touching about it and, if, and I continue to find touch about it was it was just um, you know just we are all the same what I did like about it um, and it's quite interesting compared to the original is the original one was very much western footage heavy America for example this yeah, one yeah, seemed yeah. a lot like feel a lot more like you know like um you know sort of what we would class as like third world or sort of second world countries. I think it's, I think it's because back in two thousand and I'm I'm a YouTube junkie. I, yeah. like, outside of like watching movies for the podcast, I will literally sit day and night <sighs> watching YouTube. So back in two thousand and eight I like to think about YouTube was still a very young premise. Yeah, it was only yeah. really for like the full hardcore. Just, now, like 2010, YouTube was basically cat videos, wasn't it, essentially? Essentially, yeah. It was more seen as not a, a proper platform, mm. whereas now it's a more established and ingrained in everyone's life. Yeah. Whereas, and I think this is why you get like a good mixture of like... Yeah. Because I didn't even know about the first one. Right. when they asked for footage and then I knew about this one when he had asked for footage obviously I didn't bother actually doing anything because oh. I don't live a very exciting life so uh, but you know it kind of just shows you how like 10 years ago nobody really cared for it much this this time around there's a lot more like footage I'm assuming to work his way through you know he said I, I remember I can't, I can't remember exactly the number but he said it was something it was something ridiculous so if you if you keep vibing I will check and see if I can find out how much footage um, he said he cool, actually cool, got cool. Um, what I did like about this because I was I myself was a bit apprehensive going into it because as we know it's set in the middle of 2020 I thought oh here we go it's going to be very like uh, pandemic heavy it was actually very refreshing to to not watch a movie like a documentary style movie that was pandemic heavy. I was actually quite glad about it. Uh, it they did touch on it. They didn't shy away from it. Yeah, but you, have, you can't, you can't not include it. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> so. It was nice that it didn't just uh, for a whole like, ninety minutes. It wasn't just I'm doing this on pandemic day. You know, that's what yeah. I liked about it. No, and there was a there was a few sad moments. You know, there was like a couple of like, there was a moment with a woman who was filming herself watching um, the last one and it's her son's on it. And then she's sitting and you actually think like she's just sitting waiting for her son to turn up, to come through the door. And she's getting teary-eyed because she knows she's doing this for like the 2021. And then it cuts to like an arm sitting next to her and she's like oh like my son passed away because of like covid and then that's like the kind of first moment within the film that you realize like like i this is actually like a thing that's still going on and albeit it doesn't seem like it's in everybody's life like in terms of like people we know who's got it yada 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 but it's still a thing that's affecting people and at that point that moment i did actually get a bit teary-eyed i was about like oh, this is actually heartbreaking because She's been, her son's been immortalized with the first, first film. Yeah, and you see that she's getting upset watching it, and you're like, oh, "This is actually quite heartbreaking." Right. To be I think what's interesting at that point that you chose to like sort of juxtapose it with the the guy who sort of like doesn't wear a mask and called everyone cheap for doing so, and he sort of then mm. so it's just a different. It shows like sort of different opinions on on, on what people have. Um, yeah, I was genuinely amazed by the sort of honesty of people and the ability to put themselves out there in a way that sort of just to me just seems completely alien. You know, the mm. the one you spoke about there that they um uh you know putting her in her you've seen the video of her son previously and sort of talking about her son, you know, now and mm. um, the guy proposing to his girlfriend. Oh that that scene was brutal. Aye. The like because I watch a lot of people like vlogging. Aye. I did, there was a very small part of me I wanted to like 
I had that same intrigue that I have with the other vloggers that I watch. I was yeah. like, I want to know. I want to know what happened the next day. Like, is this the death of a relationship or is this something they're going to work through and just be like a really good life couple, even though they're not going like, to marry? Just idea, like, to, to film that is one thing. And I get why you, if you might like film an engagement. But yeah. like, it goes the way it did. To then submit that footage, it's like, oh my God, that's so horrendous. That's yeah. so horrible. Same with bit as I'm, the, um, the woman, the, the young, like the couple who are going to the, the, um, the sort of fertility clinic. Oh yeah, that was brutal. That, it's, it's so, yeah. To put something as raw as that on people yeah. to admit that is just so... Yeah, but the thing is, they probably just filmed the whole entire day and yeah. then he's maybe just like looked at their day or whatever and then just went, right, that's quite a cap. Oh, no, that's I, a moment, you know? I get why, I get what he's done, but it's sort of like, to, like if that was like me and Gil or if it was probably you yeah. I can't imagine either of us wanting to submit that to something that might no. be millions of people. It seems yeah. so personal. I guess that's what the world is just now, where your personal life is now so open because of social media that a lot of people sort mm. of don't really see the barrier between yeah. personal yeah, and yeah, yeah. social. You know, I have an Instagram and Twitter, and I put some stuff up, and you're the same as well. But mm. we, I think there's still a lot of stuff in our life that we don't reveal, whereas other people have a lot of stuff in their life that the amount of stuff to reveal is way more than what they ever keep quiet. So I guess that's partly what the um, Dogman is kind of shown as well. I also mm. think I think it's really important, and they made I think it's a really important historical document for 2020 as well. Because yeah, yeah. There's a big thing about the influenza pandemic that happened in the 1910s, and um, where there's not a lot of information on it in terms of like sort of first-hand accounts and mm. um, you know what people did during it because people just sort of didn't talk about it because like it was fucking horrendous. So these sort of as a as a we all kind of blocked it out, and there's actually not a lot of like first-hand first-hand accounts of it. So this mm. is a genuine first-hand account of what life was like during a pandemic, you know, a, a, a pandemic, and I think it's something really important to have. And it obviously, you only seen like a ninety-minute snippet of it right now, but mm. in reality, he'll have hours and tons of hours of footage of how much you know it would, you know, how much it was, you know, of what life was like. Um, you know, also you would forget as well, including stuff like the Black Lives Matter protests as well. You know, and that's something that you you forget mm. that was twenty twenty as well. Well, it seems like. It seems like a lot has happened, but yeah. we've also forgot a lot of things that have happened. Like that was like the whole Black Lives Matter thing and how it all like kicked off again. Like, like it, it seems like such a long time ago, but it yeah. wasn't. You know, yeah. it was literally just last year, and we've only just wandered into twenty twenty one. You know, that is nuts. Um, but so I, I, I thought it was a really good watch. It's, it's about eighty five minutes long. Um, mm. It, it's it's just it's a really it's an it's really damning with face, but it's a really nice watch. It's sort of affirming in the yeah, yeah. you know, so you feel yeah. there is there is darkness in it because there's bad things happen to people sometimes, but generally I come out of it with a genuine feeling of hope that humanity is not completely fucked. Like people seem to want yeah. to do good by each other for the most part. And yeah. and that's kind of what I got from it. And, I, and for that I've actually really enjoyed it. No, oh, totally. That's a that's perfect sentiment. I cannot even so yeah, anything else. <laughs> out of 10, would you give it? I'm thinking I'm giving it 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> only because I'm so, only because I do use YouTube as a platform, like as my daily entertainment. Yeah. Uh, I'd like I literally I legit do not watch live television anymore mm. unless it's like sports. Yeah. Uh, so YouTube is my place of home. And yeah. the fact that this this to me always feels like a celebration of the online community. Yeah. Okay, in a point, nice yeah. way, you know, and for every, I'm for every, um, part of it. the fact that YouTube is full of, you know, you know, right wing, you know, sort of like COVID mm. denying, xenophobic, yeah. there is also this, there is also just genuine yeah. joy. And um, I'll give it a very solid seven out of ten. It's a very seven out of ten week for me. I add stuff I like about it, nice. And um, and it's a very, there is ultimately really no point to it. It's not trying, to, it's not trying to give anything big. Yeah, you know, which I think, but, which maybe that's why it's like marked down in my book. Is like he's not trying to make a serious, he's not trying to make a major point. It's just showing, it's showing something, which I think is yeah. important. But I feel that way with like, like a lot of the kind of content on YouTube. There's no point to it. Like, why yeah. do I want to? Like, why do I want to watch a guy talking about splitting logs? Or today, <laughs> I, I I made this joke as I was half sleeping on the couch. 
we were watching a guy who who another guy had recommended, and his whole entire channel is him just using Swiss Army knives and what what you can do with them. Yeah. And he was sitting there. <laughs> and me and Stacey were legitimately sitting there watching a guy using a Swiss Army knife making a was it, he was making a like a fire a fire pit kind of thing yeah. to cook breakfast. Yeah. That was that fucking <laughs> half an hour. And I was just sitting there constantly going, we're literally just sitting here watching a guy making breakfast <laughs> as I'm half dying on the couch, like falling asleep. I was like, why are we even fucking watching this? But that's the thing. It's in, it, I don't know, some sort of like primitive engagement as it's yeah. something in there. I it's think- so like, yeah. Oh, I think that's I think that's the point. YouTube is so it is so intimate. It's it's not yeah production valued and sort of you know it feels you can tell you're watching a play essentially. This feels mm. very much real. So yeah, mm. life of the day it's it's free to watch. It's on YouTube. You can watch yeah. it. And why not? We can watch it. It's cracking. Um, yeah. On from that, we go to the last film of the day, which is one that's available on VOD. I have here through Amazon. It costs about five ninety nine. I think I paid for it. Um, mm-hmm. Just you know, five ninety nine of. Well, is it worth it? I don't know. Um, and that is Willie's oh, Wonderland, um, directed by Kevin Lewis, who directed a film called The Drop and The Club Nail, of which I have not seen any of them. Um, no. The plot of this one is a drifter rolls into town with a busted up car. He is a mute drifter. He, his car is going to cost much, much money to fix, so oh. he can't afford it. So he's put to work in sort of like, I would say it's not a theme park. It's more like sort of like a kind of like Chuck E. Cheese type thing. You know, it's sort of like, yeah. like you know, it's like a sort yeah. of, like Jill described it as like maybe used to McDonald's. I used to have like sort of like you know play areas and stuff like that. It feels like that, you know, but it's got arcade machines and all that kind of stuff and yeah, kind of like Planet. If you know Pizza Planet from Toy Story, it's sort of like that. Mm. Yeah, and uh, there you go. Good reference. Yeah, while he's in there, it turns out the place is satanic. It's haunted. It's all, all the animatronics come alive and want to eat his soul and eat his body and just basically kill him alongside other people who are trying to break into it for reasons that are into during the film um, and that's essentially it the selling point of this film is a person who they're trying to kill um, and who is fighting back is Nicolas Cage you know we all love Nicolas Cage Nicolas Cage yeah. Yeah. in the film as well you've got women called Emily Tester, Beth Grant Rick Reitz and Chris Warner I think his name is um, but they are they're in it probably more than Nick Cage but you're only watching it for Nick Cage um, yeah, totally. What do you think of this one? Oh, straight out the bat, I'm getting asked about it. Uh, this was okay. I too also parted with six pounds to watch this. Uh, so you know, uh, it was all right. In my mind, I think we need to clear something up straight away. Nicholas Cage does not have any dialogue in this movie. That's but, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm gonna say he, he literally does not speak a word. Part of me really, really want... I really want to find out if the director just fucked with him and just posted him a script through the post and it was like 200 blank pages. <laughs> <laughs> and it just said, Nicholas, turn up on this date yeah. <laughs> to start filming. You know, but Nicholas, he does not talk in this movie. He's a, he's a silent a silent assassin. Yeah. Um, you know, but a low-ish budget B-movie, it was, it was okay. You know, yeah. it wasn't anything terribly exciting. Uh, the cat, I don't really understand why he didn't just annihilate everything. Like, I didn't understand yeah. why he always had to just wait one at a time. Like, was he that obsessed with drinking his juice and playing yeah. pinball machine? You know, yeah, it, there was some odd story beats which didn't really make yeah. any sense. Um, I'm with you. The B movie point is a fair point. It's definitely a B movie. It is an mm. interesting, fun idea that mm. the budget does not allow it to properly execute. I think you know that you can t- definitely tell for the most part it is constrained heavily, heavily by its mm. budget, um, and because of that, it feels a little bit weak to me. Like it feels like, it, like there's, a, there's a fun idea in there, but ultimately this didn't really deliver what I hoped it could deliver. Um, yeah, I think. See, to be honest, I think see if like see if Nicholas had like dialogue in this movie, I literally believe it could propel it. Like, I think so. My my feelings towards it would have been a lot greater if we got yeah. we got to see 
Nick Cage being a bit Nick Cage, but see if he had dialogue and he actually got to go full Nick Cage, I feel this movie could have been a lot better. Like, there was no purpose to him being mute. Yeah, I know. It didn't add any purpose to the story. And no, because of that, you don't get a particularly interesting Cage performance. There's a, there's a couple of moments that he, mm. kind of, he kind of gives a performance, but the most part, he's not really, he's sort of looking angrily at other people. And it, yeah. really, it just didn't feel that interesting. So, they probably could have cast, you know, you can give me a, a B-list wrestler in the role. It might have been the same film, but by putting Nick Cage in the role, it sort of elevated it to the point people go, oh, I might watch that because it, it's Nick Cage, which, in fairness, that worked on me and it worked on you because it's like we both love Nick Cage. Um, it, it has got a lot of gore. It's got a lot of silliness, so that keeps you mostly engaged. It is one of those films mm-hmm. you would watch after a couple of drinks on a Friday night and it probably would yeah. make you... It's, as a as a three beer movie, it's something that's completely stupid, completely silly. Mm. But the more you, it's it's not going to linger long in memory. And I think it's one of the films which I wish it like, I wish it had the the budget to pull off. What I think they were trying to pull off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it just it, every time you felt like you felt there was nothing holding them in the room. Like he, he, no. he went outside at one point and then goes back and you go, what the fuck? Like. At least it was the like fucking psychopath does that. Yeah. But the <laughs> thing is, they all do that. I know. Yeah. You know, so that's what yeah. maybe like, oh, well, this makes no sense. You're trying to escape something, fucking escape it. There's no, there's no purpose. You going back. Um, yeah. So it's it's fine. It's I don't regret paying six quid for it because like I've paid no. more for worse. Um, I feel this movie's going to end up on any streaming platform very very quickly. Like. I don't think it's going to spend long on VOD, you know. No, definitely not. Um, and it's it, it's for what it's worth. I watched it on a Friday night. It's it's not it's not a bad Friday night purchase. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, not really a lot to say about it. Just a lot of Nick Cage looking at people, and then people kind of going, oh, "Okay," and then continuing on with the. With the dialogue, it's like I feel like Acat was almost just always left behind, and the only way he could ever bring himself back was murdering other monsters. Yeah, you know, you need to be a fan of like B movies to sort of get anything from this. I think yeah. if you're not into that kind of B movie silliness, avoid this at all costs. Also, I just want to point out just one thing because it came it it came up with me and um, mentioned it to Stacey as well when the cop lady and the junior cop are. Re- uh, like investigating the like Willie's Wonderland after the phone goes, how fucking far away do they live? And uh, oh. do they work from it? I'm like, this means to be some like small town like back back end America somewhere. Uh-huh. Literally, she tells you the whole entire plot of the movie to bring you up to speed yeah, <laughs> before they just, even get there. And that's what I feel. I feel, like, like, I feel like big chunks of this film were just people giving you background all the way through yeah, it because yeah. they, they, couldn't have, they couldn't afford to show it because they. Yeah, totally. totally. So I'm giving it a six out of ten. Oh, oh man, I'm I'm right down the middle of the road. I'm giving it five. Five. Okay, fair enough. I, I yeah. I'm totally with you on it. I'm giving it six just because I felt like it, it it had ideas. Never really didn't know it had ideas. I would have uh, gave it six if I didn't have to pay six pounds for it. Fair <laughs> uh, next week, um, we've got some interesting ones to pick up. I sort of went a bit a nice eclectic mix for you for next mm. week. We have yeah. on Amazon Prime there's a documentary called Hi, My Name is Dickie, um, which is about a former NHL player who um, got sort of had troubles after the, after the, his career, you know, drink, alcohol, uh, drink and drugs, and I think possibly gambling as well. You sort of delve into sort of like the elite sportsman post life. Mm. Um, it looks quite interesting. Um, and as we're both hockey fans, I thought we'd probably get some of that. Interest in that. So, if I find out he doesn't open a restaurant and waste all his money, I'm going to be heavily disappointed. I don't think he does that. Interesting, there's a story today about a guy yeah. who um, is a great NHL, well, not great, like a really solid NHL who's now working in like Tim Hortons in Ontario. Oh, nice. He's nice. Not really, because he, he got hit in the head and he's like, all fucked up. So, he had to, he sort of just lost all his money. But a bit sad. So, this might be yeah. a kind of cautionary tale. This might one sort of over the this one and probably feel quite sad after watching it. But as we're both hockey mm. fans, I thought, hi, my name is Dickie. We don't really get that many hockey documentaries. So it's, it's no, nice we don't. Nice to have one to, to watch. Um, also, out, we've got one, it's a comedy um, called Barb and Star Go to Vista del Mar. Um, now, me and your wife have an ongoing argument regarding a certain film that she is still very angry at me making her watch. 
Um, this one could possibly be in that same vein. So I'm putting okay. one out there right now, okay? Okay. Um, I've heard reviews calling it absolute comedic genius and others saying it's fucking horrendous. So oh, just oh, Jesus. go into it. It's got the people, it's the people who wrote Bridesmaids. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Wiig is in it. She's you know, obviously from Bridesmaids, one of them, so we like her. So it's, it's got a decent cast. Yeah. Um, but I'm just putting out there early on that there has been a differing opinion on how this film goes down. I'm, I'm glad this was on the list because when I showed uh, Stacey, she instantly perked up and says, oh, I've wanted to see that. So straight off the bat, I'm already like 50% on the right tracks. So, okay. well, actually, if, you know. if she doesn't like it, it's not my fault. She wanted to watch it. Yeah, okay? exactly, okay. exactly. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not a Greasy Strangler situation, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that is on Amazon VOD. That's like, I think it's like 6 dollars to rent or 6 dollars to rent that one. And we've also got one on Sky Movies called To Olivia, which is all about Roald Dahl and his, his wife and their relationship, which apparently was, mm. let's call it catchy at best. Mm. Um, and also, finally, on Amazon as well, which is Amazon Prime, you don't have to pay for this one. It's called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, which is a sort of time loop movie. I mean, you have both have been fans of time loop films. We like Groundhog Day, we like um, Palm Springs and things like that. So we, we enjoy a time mm. movie. So that's, that's, that's um, getting and getting good reviews. So I'm actually quite looking forward to that one as well. So that's next week's nice. offerings. Tell me where to find us, Barry. All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's great. For this week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry, as always. And you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.